We are I. Bricks of fortitude. You know this this conversation that we're gonna have here right now. You know these bricks of fortitude that I'm going to talk about they're pretty heavy in this you know this might not be for the faint of heart because I'm actually going to talk about all the times that I legitimately feel as though that I should have died you know and this comes in like a lot of different forms and you know it's actually surprising to me like how I look back at my life now and you know even only being 35 right now how many times that I legitimately should have died through the course of time and haven't and it's something that I've brought up with, you know, friends and family members, you know, clients, members, you know, through the course of time, just understanding, like, you know, like, why? You know, I know so many amazing people who have been senselessly taken from us in this life, you know, for, you know, smaller reasons or, you know, just reasons that seem unjust or unfair. But, you know, like, why me? Why am I still here? You know, or why do I have the ability to be able to stand on my two feet, even though I know for a lot of reasons that... I shouldn't be, you know, and I look back at these moments and, you know, I say like, you know, I connect with these being my bricks of fortitude because, you know, there, there's something, it's more than just like a test of adversity or, you know, I pushed through, I've made it through something. I actually feel like these, these bricks of adversity, I feel like they're almost surreal. You know, like I look at these bricks as being something very different because this is, these are things that are outside of my control. You know, like a lot of situations in life when you talk about stacking these bricks of fortitude, like like you have the ability to be able to change these circumstances. You have the ability to be able to, you know, navigate this situation differently. But, you know, in these cases, that wasn't so. Like there was some kind of, you know, external force. There was some kind of something in this life that, you know, allowed me to be able to have these bricks of fortitude and look back at it in a sense of appreciation not as in it took determination or willpower or grit to be able to get through it. Like it legitimately was something more than that, you know? So, you know, I look back on it and there's these pretty distinct times and it, and it goes back to when, you know, I was about five or six years old, you know, I was growing up on my farm as I explained before. And, you know, I was crawling up into like one of my tree houses, you know, something I've done a million times in the past. And, you know, I was just kind of like jumping from branch to branch and hanging and swinging, just doing all the things that I would normally do on like a nice hot sunny day. You know, and then lo and behold, a second later, you know, I'm falling out of this tree and I land, you know, like right on my upper back, my neck and my head. And I think I was knocked out cold for a while. I don't know how long. And, you know, I couldn't really feel my body. I remember thinking back then, you know, like, I think I've done something really wrong. Like there's got to be something wrong with my body here. Um, like it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel right. I can't really move. I just, I've lost this connection with my body. You know, and then like a minute went by, you know, a few minutes went by and, you know, very distinct. Like these things, these feelings are something that will legitimately never leave me no matter how long I'm on the face of this earth or what happens to me in my life. You know, and I remember going back then, you know, or I remember back then, you know, reflecting on it now, you know, just knowing that there was just really something wrong with my body. 
know, but again, after like that few minutes, I was able to start moving my body. I was able to get up and, you know, I was able just to carry on, you know, and the weird part about this was even like back then, like, you know, I didn't go and, you know, say anything to my mom and dad and, you know, like it shocked me and it was tough, but there was also like this, this sense about me that, oh, that just kind of is what it is. Like it wasn't anything extraordinarily bad, even though it could have been. It was a situation that I knew was bad and something wrong happened, but nothing that I really felt inside that it was extraordinarily bad, like something that I would even need to tell my own parents about. You know, but I did have that feeling inside that something really wrong could have happened. You know, and I can't explain, you know, like why I came completely unscathed, why I had this feeling that, you know, was absolutely overwhelming that something was really wrong with my body turned out that it wasn't and it turned out that I connected with a side of me that didn't even really expose like like a hurt or a need to explain this to anybody or a need to be able to find reassurance that I was okay I wasn't even scared I didn't cry didn't nothing I just cared about my day like nothing ever happened you know and it was a long time before you know, I even like talked about this with, you know, like friends or family members. And to this day, I can't even honestly say that I even ever talked about it with my mom or my dad, you know, and that was just the first circumstance, you know, then, you know, I talked about, you know, being in the mountains with my dad and, you know, going hunting and all these times. And sometimes we would go in the summertime and scout out new locations where we'd want to set up our big tent, you know, for one, we would go up in the wintertime, you know, and this was back in like 96, 97. Um, the only real reason why I remember these dates is because in, you know, 95 in Southern Alberta, we had really bad floods and, you know, like this washed out, you know, like a lot of like creeks and streams and rivers in the mountains just because of the, the amount of runoff that was happening. So, um, you know, like we were up, we were, you know, back in the deep in the back country with my dad and a few of his buddies. And, you know, I was on one of his friend's quads, you know, I was probably, you know, like, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, I'm riding up in the mountains, you know, I'm, I'm completely by myself, you know, I have no idea where my dad is, I have no idea where his friends are, you know, all I said is, you know, I'm going to hop on the quad, I'm going to go down the trails, you know, I'll be back in a couple hours, you know, something that I have done hundreds of times before, you know, something I've done so many times that nobody would bat an eye that if I was gone for four, five, six hours, because it was just something that happened, you know, but then I'm up on this trail, and you know, I'm way up on the side of this mountain and you know I'm going and I can tell that the the side of this trail is you know really washed out you know from all these floods and you know I was going up I was going I was climbing and all of a sudden the quad flipped and I remember landing on top of me you know and anybody knows anything about full-size quads you know you're talking hundreds of pounds you know and as this quad's rolling on top of me now I'm pinned underneath this quad on a mountain in the middle of nowhere nobody knows where I am and I'm completely pinned underneath this quad you know, and absolutely void of the strength to be able to push this thing off me, being trapped underneath this quad, having absolutely no idea how I'm going to get out. Even if I yelled and screamed at the top of my lungs, there'd be nobody that would ever be able to hear me except for the birds and maybe a bear. You know, but there was nobody coming to help me. There was nobody there that was, you know, like walking down the path. There would be nobody for days, weeks, months, or years if anybody ever found me. And I remember laying there on the ground and just thinking like, you know, if I don't do something, if I don't try, if I don't try my hardest to be able to get out of this situation, like I'm going to probably die. Like nobody is going to find me. 
you know, and I sat down and I'm just like, okay, well, literally didn't sit, you know, but I'm sitting there thinking in my mind about, you know, like, what am I going to do here? Like, what are my options? I'm, I'm pinned underneath the machine. I can't move. You know, I can feel my body. I know that nothing's wrong. This quad is just rolled on top of me. There's no bones that are broken. There's no nothing, but you know, I'm really young. I don't have the strength. This machine is really heavy. Like what is going to happen? What are the options here? You know, and I'm like trying to wiggle my way out. I can't get out. I'm trying to rock side to side. I can't get out. Like there's no way that I'm getting out from underneath this machine. You know, I'm laying there, you know, like what seems like an eternity goes by. You know, to this day, I still have absolutely no idea how much time actually went by. You know, but I'm sitting there just like everything that I tried, like nothing was getting out or getting me out from underneath this quad. I'm like, you know, how? And then all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming feeling like if I don't try my if I don't do something, if I don't find a way to be able to go from underneath this, this is it. You know, and I just start wiggling, I just start pushing, I just start squirming, and, and I'm lifting, I'm pushing, I'm twisting, I'm digging, I'm getting out, I'm just gaining a little inch and another inch, I'm just twisting and wiggling to get my body, and I'm crawling, I'm digging, I'm scratching, I'm clawing, and I finally find a way to be able to wiggle myself out from underneath this quad. And then coming to the realization that now that I'm out, but I'm like, how in the hell am I going to flip this thing back up so I can even get out from where I am? You know, and just grabbing the side of the squad and just kind of like lifting and lifting and just trying to rock it back and forth and getting my legs underneath and just everything I'm trying to not get in. I just can't flip, just can't get it past that point where it's going to roll up on its own. You know, so I'm sitting around looking around like, you know, what can I get? Like, what is something around here that I can get that's going to help me flip this quad, you know, back up so I can ride out of here? You know, so I'm like looking around, I see these rocks, you know, kind of like rocking it up and just kind of trying to lift it and kick these rocks underneath, just getting it up a little bit higher to get a little bit more leverage underneath this thing. And, you know, again, what seems like an eternity of just trying all these like inches and millimeters and, you know, finally I'm able to get this thing up and I flip it and I roll it back up and I get back on and I start it up and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, how? You know, because this is before anybody's really like, you know, you got to wear a helmet. This is before anybody's like, you know, tell me exactly where you're going. You know, tell me exactly what time you're going back. And, you know, I'm sitting on this quantum thing. I'm like, holy shit, I just did this. I was just pinned underneath this thing for God knows how long. Thinking that there's no way I'm going to get out from it. This might be it for me. But somehow I was able to wiggle myself out from underneath this quad somehow. I was able to muster the strength and the know-how and the wherewithal to be able to flip this quad back up. But now I'm back up on this quad, this machine, and I'm on my way back down. And I remember when I get back down to camp and I come rolling in on the quad and, you know, seemingly looking like, you know, relatively beat up. And I come back in and everybody just kind of looks at me, doesn't really bat an eye and just keep moving around. And I'm sitting on this quad and I'm like, seriously? Like you're not even going to like acknowledge that I'm here? But then I realized, you know, I'm like, that's how common places was. Like, they don't even know all this happened. Like, that was just how it was. It was so commonplace for me to be gone for an hour or two hours or three hours, and, you know, come back a little ruffled up and like nobody would even bat an eye. But again, I'm like, you know, like, why? You know, like, why was I able to be able to persevere through this situation? Because I remember, you know, I had these few situations in my life so far, like this one. Like this was tough, like laying trapped underneath underneath a machine on a mountain in the middle of nowhere. That's a scary, sobering thought. You know, like you don't know the, the sense of loneliness until you're trapped in a situation like that in the middle of nowhere. Like you're, 
it's a pretty sobering, sobering thought. You know, but then I look back and again, you know, like, like, why me? Like, why me in this situation? You know, then growing up in Southern Alberta, you know, things are a little bit more, you know, you have a lot more leeway with a lot of things, you know, like we had this old farm car that, you know, we would drive around and, you know, like my sister and I, we had this thing since we were, you know, again, probably like 10, 12 years old, you know, like super young, you know, little 80s Honda Civic hatchback that we used to bomb up and down the road on and in the fields and, you know, all the kids on all the farmhouses, you know, had these little farm cars, you know, that people would leave in fields when they'd be moving tractors around and machinery and equipment. You know, I remember going down the gravel road, you know, like what just seemed like at that time, probably a million miles an hour, but I was probably going like 50 or 60, you know, I'm young and everything seems fast at that point in time and I'm, you know, cruising down the road and, you know, like I can't even remember to this day, you know, what is it blocked up this one certain part of this memory for some reason and, you know, I remember driving down the road and having something in my hand, you know, playing with something in my hand and I dropped it and it rolled into the passenger side of the car. You know, and being so young and so inexperienced and just not having, like, the, the capacity in my mind to understand the gravity of the situation and what I was about to do next and what the implications would be. You know, like, when this thing fell and it dropped out of my hand and it landed on the passenger side, I remember looking over, seeing it on the floor, and the first thing I thought of doing was reaching over to grab it. And being so young, I reached over both hands and my whole body to be able to grab this thing off the cart floor on the other side of the seat and the next thing that I know I feel this bump and this weightlessness and then this turning and I remember like landing up in the field like essentially I drove off the road down through the ditch jumped out of the ditch and the car is up in the air kind of listing side and then it hits the ground Goes back on till it was I land flat and skids out through the field and just comes to a stop. And I remember thinking that I'm just like sitting in this car. I'm like, how on earth am I going to explain this to my dad? And how in the hell was it not even that bad? Like I was going fast. The ditch was deep. You know, like it was this intense situation. My eyes weren't on the road. I was completely in the other side of the car. I completely let go of the steering wheel. Like all these situations where there should just been this horrific outcome. And I'm just, I'm sitting on all, all four wheels in this field, shooken up, scared, a little bit in shock, worried about this mile and a half home that I have to walk to be able to tell my dad knowing his buddies are over and you know, what kind of, you know, ass kicking that I might get when I walk through the door and explain why the car is in the field, you know, a mile and a half down the road. But again, like, like why? Not even a scratch, not a bump, not a scrape, not anything. You know, and like, why? You know, like, these are like three things now where it's like, like something should have happened, but nothing. You know, I'm, I'm not even a teenager yet at this point in time. Just absolutely astonishing to me. You know, so then we can fast forward a little bit, you know, nothing really that crazy happens. And I get to high school and, you know, it's like big part of the time when the WWF is like, you know, guys big mainstay hold on all us young boys. And, you know, guys are jumping off shed roofs onto tables filled with tacks and through chairs and smashing chairs on each other's backs and like, all this crazy stupid shit that we've seen on TV and you know we're joking around in you know PE class one day and when I was in grade 12 and 
one of my you know buddies got me in like this headlock and he suplexed me on the ground and that time when my body went numb and I knew there was something wrong and I couldn't move my body that this was the first time that something really serious happened to me you know I remember looking up and everybody's like crowded around me and you know, they're looking down the teacher's looking down he's like can you move your arms can you move your legs and you know, I could move my arms, but I couldn't move my legs, and it scared the shit out of me. You know, so I get taken to the hospital, and, you know, I had a, a crack in, you know, like one of my vertebrae, and, you know, they, they just, I had a momentary um, bout of just paralysis to my body, like where I just, I couldn't move my legs. You know, but by the time I got to the hospital, you know, like my muscles relaxed, and they started, you know, giving me some, me some painkillers and muscle relaxants, and I was able to be able to come back from that, and I could feel my legs again, and, you know, had this opportunity to understand that no matter what was happening in my body, at least it wasn't that bad. You know, and I had to wear a neck brace, you know, for like a month or two, I can't remember now how long it was, but, you know, still thinking, it's like, wow, you know, like that was bad, like something so innocent, you know, turn out to be something that could have been extremely horrific. But again, it wasn't. You know, like, why was I able to be able to walk away from this at this point in time? Like, like, what was the what was the purpose behind this? Like, why do I keep having the opportunity to be able to walk away from these situations? You know, and like I said, like a lot of these situations, like, yeah, you know, it may seem like what I said at the start where I can't control these things. And maybe say, well, you didn't have to get on the quad. You didn't have to drive the car. You didn't have to be horsing around. But it's like those are just situations in life that everybody goes through. And, you know, at any point in time, at anybody's life, something can happen. You know, like, so it's not really the face, but it's more the fact it's just like, like, why? You know, like, what, what, what's this thing that's protecting me from ultimately having like these devastating injuries, even though I should? You know, then my sister and I, you know, like we're on our, our farm and, you know, like my sister's driving our three-wheel motorbike and, you know, we're going up this hill and, you know, we're kind of rolling back down and, you know, we're, we're kids, you know, we're kind of like testing the limits and seeing how far we can go. You know, we drive up a little bit higher, she kick it into neutral, roll down back. You know, she drive up a little bit, you know, higher, she kick it into neutral, you know, we'd roll back down backwards. You know, and then she gets all the way to the top and kicks into neutral, roll down, we're rolling down backwards and, you know, like all of a sudden like starts going a little bit too fast and she starts to wobble, starting to get the speed wobbles going and then, as anybody knows, on a three-wheel motorbike, they're the furthest thing from stable. You know, wheel kicks out in the front, flips it end over end, you know, the trike lands on top of me, she lands on top of me and all I remember is just crushing my head on this rock and just like this stars this ringing like everything in my mind is like probably the worst concussion that like I have ever experienced in my life you know and back in a day when nobody knew anything about what concussions were yeah and then this was all just in the era when you got your bell rung you know so this is all I'm thinking that ever happened to me you know I was just like oh I got my bell rung again got a little bit of a snotter you know like you know a little bit of blurred vision you know seeing the stars but you know like that's just what happens when you get hit in the head hard but again, like, you know, I'm sure if you look at it from like a, a TBI standpoint, you know, probably got a little bit of, you know, TBI from that. But, you know, as in like how bad that could have been, like even like a skull fracture or anything, you know, having a, another human being plus a motorbike land on top of you when you're rolling backwards downhill and your head hitting a rock. You know, I was able to walk away from that too. But why? You know, like why? Like why me? It makes no sense. Like, I could see one of these things up until this point, but, 
all of these so far? Why? You know, and I challenge myself and I challenge other people to think, you know, like, just, like, come up with a reason, you know, like, be able to tell me something. You know, like, offer me some insight into this and, you know, like, I would love to have some kind of perspective. You know, but all I can think of is just, like, you know, it, it makes no sense to me. You know, then fast forward a little bit more and I move out to BC and, you know, I end up getting in, you know, to a little bit of a wrong crowd. You know, when I move out to BC, you know, I'm young out here, you know, I'm 18 years old and I get a little lost. I'm searching for some friendship, some companionship, some love, you know, a sense of family. And, you know, I end up getting mixed up with some wrong people and fast forward a little bit further forward. And, you know, my best friend and I were coming home from the gym and, you know, I guess he got himself into a little bit of trouble and, you know, long story short, you know, he ends up getting shot. I ended up getting shot. He died and I didn't, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, like through all this that, yeah, I might not have been the target of this, you know, but why would when somebody actually takes the time out to be able to point a gun at you and pull the trigger and shoot you, you know, why are you still alive? He did the same thing to another human being just a few feet away from you and took his life. Why am I still here? Makes no sense. That's going to be one of the most like in-your-face horrific moments. And I know I kind of glossed over, but I've kind of glossed over all these. You know, I'm to this point. This one's going to be no different because like the details of the story, you know, like aren't the point. You know, I'm not proud of it. I don't glorify it. It's not this big moment in my life, you know, but a part of this you know, stacking this bricks of fortitude is, you know, also allowing all of us the, the opportunity to be open, you know, and to criticize. And if you want to criticize me now with this, this piece of information that, you know, that you know that's extreme, then that's fine. You know, but again, I have a lot of people in my life who know that, you know, who still love me, who still support me, who will still be there for me, you know, when I need them. And, and that's fine because those are the people that I need and those are the people that I want in my life. You know, but the main point of this story is like, why? Again, why? You know, like, why Why was my life spared that night? It could have been just as easily taken as the person who was lying there next to me, but mine wasn't. Why? Continue to ask that why. Because it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, when I say that, I don't want anybody to think that, like, you know, that I want my life to end you know, I love my life, you know, like, there's obviously aspects of my life like anybody else's that I would want to change, and, you know, and that's fine, you know, we're all like that, we're all human, and, you know, that'll be forever humanity, and that'll be forever our existence, you know, but when it comes down to it, like, the why is just, like, you know, when I know so many amazing people who've been taken for less, so why me? Why do I get all these opportunities? You know, like, what do I need to do with my life? You know, like, what do I need to show myself? What do I need to show the world? You know, like, what do I need to do? What am I here for? Why do I keep getting these opportunities to be able to do that? And if I don't quickly define what it is, how many more of these chances am I going to get? You know, so then we bring a few more years down the road of this this crazy journey and you know, not really like, you know, understanding again, like, you know, like why I get all these opportunities and, you know, like this one's like a big one because this, this one really like hit me hard, you know, just like the one I explained. So, you know, like anybody kind of knows, you know, like BC, the South Coast, you know, there's, um, you know, Golden Years Provincial Park, 
you know, in Golden Years Provincial Park, you know, like there's the West Canyon Trail to be able to get to the peak of Golden Years. You know, and it all started off, you know, like one time in, you know, I took a, a group of clients up there and, you know, we got about a third of the way up and, you know, with time we had to come back. You know, and then I went up the next day because I'm like, I've never been defeated really by anything physical. So, you know, like there's no way I can't do this. I went the next day, got like halfway up, had to turn and come back. So now I'm just like irritated to no end. Went two or three more times, just couldn't make it to the top. There's all these excuses in the world, you know, like people I'd go with, you know, like it was taking too long. They didn't have the time, you know, getting rained out, this, that, and the next thing. So, you know, like the next year that I go, I'm like, okay, this is the time. You know, I wait all winter long. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. There's a little bit of snowpack still left, you know, but like the snow should still be hard enough that I'll be able to run on top of it. will be fine. I'll get to the glacier. I'll be able to summon. I'll be able to stand on the top of this, this mountain with this massive glacier. I'll be able to look down and say, like, I finally conquered you. You know, so I'm trekking up, you know, the weather is great, I'm feeling good, you know, the the little bit overcast skies, you know, but anybody knows anything about, you know, doing things physical outside knows that you want a little bit of overcast skies just so it's easier, your body doesn't heat up as much. You know, I got my shorts on, I got my trail running shoes on, I got my tank top on, and, you know, I got my day pack, you know, with a few snacks and a couple things in my video camera phone, I get to the top and, you know, I can videotape my success. You know, I get up to the snowshed, which happened a little bit earlier. You know, I'm like, that's fine because I'm staying on top of it. You know, I got good shoes on and, you know, got an extra change of socks in my backpack and stuff. You know, it's one thing I learned about all the, you know, being in the backcountry is, you know, like, be prepared with the small things. You know, I only plan on being, you know, maybe six hours return, so I don't need a whole bunch. You know, I don't need a lot of food or, you know, anything like that. But I need a few essentials, you know, like like these socks. Socks are a big deal. You know, we all know that. So then I get a little bit further into the snowshed, you know, I'm kind of like a little bit ankle deep now, you know, I'm starting to break through a little bit, you know, this is fine, you know, like, what's little wet shoes, I only got a couple, you know, two, three, four more K to go, that's not a big deal, right? So then I get up to this point in the in the snowshed, and, you know, I'm kind of like pushing, it's getting a little, the elevation's getting a little bit more steep, and you're kind of, you know, head down, and you're kind of pushing away, and I'm looking up at the trail markers, and you kind of see them here and there, keeping a good eye on them, but not really following any trail because there's no trail now. It's just all snow. And all of a sudden, I kind of hear something, and I look up, and I look at this team of climbers. They got full North Face one-piece suits on. They got snowshoes on. They got poles. They got goggles. They got gloves. They got toques. And I remember looking at them and you know them looking at me, and we both said at the same time, like, where are you going? And I'm like, well, I'm going to the top. I'm going to summit. And the guy was like, like that? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to run up there real quick and I'm going to turn around and run back. And I'm thinking at the same time, I'm just like, wow. I'm like, they are really overdressed. And at the same time, this guy's probably thinking like, this guy's going to die. And I'm like, you know what? We pass each other. We kind of keep on going on. And, you know, I'm slogging through the snow and, and then all of a sudden, it starts to kind of rain a little bit. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this isn't good. You know, but I only got a couple more kilometers to go anyway. That's not that big of a deal. And all of a sudden, I start breaking through the snow up to my knees. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of pushing along. And, I'm, you know, my legs are getting a little cold. And then I'm like, oh, man, I should look up to make sure so I'm still on track for these trail markers. And I look around, and I'm like, I don't see any trail markers. Now I'm like, well, my legs are pretty cold, and I don't see any trail markers. And I'm like, if I just keep on going, I'm bound to run into some more trail markers. 
So I'm kind of like looking around. I'm kind of pushing through. You know, now my, my legs are getting real cold. You know, getting to that point where I can't really feel my legs anymore. And I'm just like, you know, I can't, still can't see these trail marks. I'm like looking around and, you know, now I'm looking around. I'm like, like nothing's really making sense to me at all. And now I'm worried. You know, because like now I don't know where I am. Now I'm disorientated. My legs are cold. They've been in the snow bare skin for probably at least 45 minutes to an hour now. Now I'm getting worried because I know enough that I can recognize when I'm starting to make bad decisions. And when those bad decisions get to worse decisions, when those worse decisions get into like like life-ending decisions. And this is where I'm at now. I know I'm at that point. You know, I can't be young and ignorant to this anymore. It's like, like I know I'm lost. I know I don't know where I am. I know hypothermia is going to get set in pretty soon. Especially now because the rain starts to come up a little bit more. Now I'm soaking wet. I'm soaking wet. I'm cold. I'm breaking through the snow. I can't feel my legs. I have no idea where I am. So the only thing I can think of doing is I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to I'm going to go back down because you know like back down. Eventually I'm going to find you know a way to be able to you know tie back in with the trailer. You know like my footprints or something or you know I know enough about the backcountry. I'm going to have a general idea of like where I am and I might be the most efficient way there but I'll be able to get there because I know enough now I'm like why can't I see my footprints you know like where my footprints go to be able to get here you know if I just follow my footprints out you know but but where are my footprints out like how where are my footprints to get me to where I'm at right now so then panic starts to sit in I'm just like this isn't good so now I'm disorientated, you know, panic sitting in. I, I'm cold, I'm wet, it's starting to rain a little bit harder, it's starting to sock in a little bit more, and, you know, now, now I'm really worried. So I'm stumbling through the snow, and I'm stumbling through the snow, and, you know, I'm getting cold, and my, just, the, the, the amount of freeze, like, the, like, the intensity of the cold, just the way that it just grips your body, and, the way it's just slowly trying to take over your mind like it just wants to pull you down into its grip. And just say, subdue to this. You know, we just keep trying to just, you know, pick one foot up. You know, my, my legs are so cold I can barely start to bend my knees and I can't feel my feet. And, you know, I get into this this cave. I look over and I'm just like, there's this cave. And all I want to do is get into this cave so I can get out of the rain. So I think if I just get in there, I can get out of this rain. And I'm sitting in this cave, and now I sit down, and I realize how cold my legs are, and how, like, I, I when I go to sit down, I can't even bend my knees. And I'm sitting in this cave, and I'm just like, and I, I realize at that moment, I'm like, I've gone too far. This is that place that everybody would always tell me that if I get to, I've gone too far. You know, I banked on that I had all this backcountry experience. I've always told everybody that I've grown up in the backcountry. You know, my, my, my dad's prepped me for this for years. You know, all these hunter training courses that I took, all these backcountry courses that I've taken. Like, it has prepared me for all of these moments, and I made the mistakes. I made them all, every single one of them. Now, now I'm sitting here. I got shorts on. I got no change of clothes. I got no thermal blanket i got no matches i got no nothing that i got nothing to be able to bring me out of this so then i subdued to it i thought the only thing i can do now is i can pull out this video camera and i can spend these moments right now i, I can outline all these mistakes that i made so hopefully that you know like one day that 
you know, somebody else doesn't make these mistakes. So I pull on my video camera and I'm sitting there and then the tears start to roll down my cheeks and you know, I'm getting really emotional filming this video and you know, I'm talking about, you know, how wearing shorts was a mistake and like this tank top, you know, like misgaging the time of year in the in the snow shed and, you know, not fully checking the weather report when I went out I just did, you know, eyesight line like, hey, it looks like a beautiful day I'm going. You know, like no waterproof matches again, like no none of these things, you know, didn't pack any of it, didn't have any of it at all. Then I'm just sitting there filming this video and I'm just like, you know what? Like this is it. Like I'm going to die. These are the mistakes I made. So whoever finds this video and you play this video and whoever watches this video, I hope that you can learn from it because this is the reason why you found this video camera beside my corpse in this cave. And as soon as I press end on that video, the realization of that, like legitimately I am going to die if I don't do something to be able to change this outcome. That somebody is going to find me holding this video camera and watching this video being like, this is why this guy died. So then I remember I had this change of socks in my bag and you know, I reached into my bag and I grabbed these socks and... You know, my, my feet are cold. I'm trying to pry the other cold, wet socks off my feet. And, you know, I get them off and I put these new socks on and I put these shoes back on. And as soon as I put the shoes on, the, the new dry socks I just had were soaking wet. And I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, like if, if I just don't move, if I just don't get going, like this is it. Like you need to change your circumstances right now. If you don't change these circumstances, you are going to die. So I remember turning over onto my hands and you know trying to like bend my knees and I just like I, like I can't even move my legs because now I'm taking this time out to sit you know for five ten minutes while filming this video. So now my legs are completely seized up. They're even more cold than they were before. You know, I'm just like, Blake, you got to put one foot in front of the other. you got to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm just stumbling. You know, I get back in. I'm just stumbling. I'm just kind of like walking down. And, you know, I'm still just trying to plot through the snow. And I'm just struggling. So I'm like, Blake, you just, you got to get through this. You, you know, you got to get to a point. Like, you got to try. Like, you can't be the guy who just taps out in the cave. Like, you got to be the guy who at least tries. Be face down in the snow 50 feet away from the cave, but don't be the guy who just sits there. So I get out of this cave, you know, I start pushing, and then I realize that, you know, like, the snow's not as deep anymore. And as the snow's not as deep anymore, my legs aren't encompassed in the snow, then my knees start to warm up, and I start to move my knees, and I start to bend my knees and move my legs. Then I keep getting a little bit further down and a little bit further down and the snow is getting less and less deep all the time. You know, and now I'm back down to about my ankles. You know, my legs are still just horrifically cold, but I feel like I could move them again. I feel like I got movement to my joints. I feel like that I actually might have a fighting chance to be able to do this. You know, I will never... I will never forget the time that I seen that first trail marker. I will never forget the feeling of what it feels like to be able to have an understanding that you finally 
realize where you are. I will never forget the feeling to understand like the victory of knowing that all I have to do is step in that general direction. I will know exactly where I am and I will know exactly how to be able to get off this mountain and I know exactly that I will survive this moment. You want to talk about sobering thoughts. You go from a point of filming a video of explaining to people why they're going to find your corpse in a cave on a mountain and the mistakes that you made to having a complete understanding and knowing where you are and knowing that you're going to survive. So getting back down on that trail, you know, getting the feet out of the snow and, you know, it's still got a little bit of rain to it, but the rain has let up at this point in time. You know, I got an actual trail. I can see I don't even need trail markers anymore. The, the course is plotted for me. I just have to put one foot in front of the other. And then going down a mountain and being out of the snow on my legs starting to warm up and I'm soaked. But the overwhelming joy of knowing where I am and knowing I'm going to get off this and knowing I'm going to be able to get in my car and I'm going to be able to drive home and be able to reflect on this moment for another day. I start to get a little bit of speed behind me and I start to get a little bit of momentum behind me. And the more momentum I get, the warmer my body gets. And I'll never remember or I'll never forget you know, when I get about that last kilometer on the trail, about, you know, seven, eight kilometers from where I was at when all of this took place. And I passed, I ran past those people in those North Face jackets. I didn't say a word to them as I ran by. But when they looked at me and I looked at them, I wish now the only thing I would have done is just admit to them that they were right and that I was wrong. Because the worst injustice to me, the hindsight of the 50-50 looking back on it is that, you know, I gave them the opportunity of them thinking that I actually got to the summit of that mountain and I had turned and I came back down. But I didn't. You know, and that's okay. You know, because it's moments like that that I look back on now and, you know, I have like this, this collection, this collection of moments of these times. And I'm like, why? So we get a couple of years later down this road again. And, you know, like, you know, my best friend, he's over at my house with his wife and his two kids. And, you know, they're about to leave. And, you know, I'm standing at the top of my stairs. And I got about, you know, eight or ten stairs down onto, you know, like the front foyer, you know, part where everybody puts their shoes and their jackets and he's saying goodbye. They're standing down the door. And I remember thinking, it's rude of me that I'm standing at the top of these stairs. And, you know, like my wife and, you know, like my daughter standing at the top of the stairs and, you know, I'm like standing there and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go down and like acknowledge these, you know, people like these are, these are my people. These are my friends. These are my family. They're leaving. I take about two steps down the stairs and I was and I'm like, why am I looking at the ceiling right now? And it was like the entire world just stopped. And I'm sitting there suspended in air and I'm looking around I'm like, why in the hell am I looking at this ceiling? There's something wrong about this situation. You know, like it was like my mind was going in like as slow motion as the environment around me of not realizing that instead of being vertical, I'm horizontal floating through the air. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you come to that realization of what's happening and that snap of the fingers... And all of a sudden, the entire world speeds up, and I fall completely flat on my back right on the stairs, and I bounce, and I land, and I fall down at the edge of the stairs. And the second that I hit the stairs the first time, 
all I remember hearing is the gasping of air. And by the time I hit the floor the second time, the amount of crying that was coming from the people in the room was outrageous. And I laid there and I couldn't feel my body. I couldn't feel my hands. I couldn't feel my arms. I couldn't feel my legs. My body was completely numb. And as I laid there with no feeling in my body and I felt the tears trickle out of the sides of my eyes and down my cheeks. And I'm like, this is it. This is how I go out. This is what ends all this crazy shit that I've ever done. I'm, I'm going to be a quadriplegic from wanting to go give my best friend a hug goodbye and his wife and his kids. And all I remember hearing is like, don't touch him, don't touch him. Just leave him there, don't touch him. And the crying, I'll never forget the crying. You know, I still like, you know, Craig's kids will still bring it up to this day, you know, about how intense that moment was. Minute or two goes by. That real heavy, that real thick, fuzzy feeling starts to come off my body. Another minute or two goes by, I realize I can feel my arms and my legs. Another minute or two goes by and I sit up. Now and I realize, I look around everybody, I'm just like, there's actually nothing wrong with me. Nothing at all. Like, what is that all about? Like, this was horrific. I, I, I can't even explain to you. Like, if you had an opportunity to talk to some of the people that, that were there, the sound of my back hitting these stairs was, I guess, so horrific. It's horrifying. Nothing wrong. I was born with glomerular nephritis, a kidney disease. Research, if you want to be able to understand exactly what that is, but... You know, when I was a baby, you know, like I I actually legitimately died in the hospital and they had to bring me back to life. I was in the hospital for months because my kidneys completely shut down. When I was a teenager, I went to the doctor to be able to get in my, my annual checkup, you know, where they would pump me with this substance and, you know, it would basically inflame my bladder you know, and it would make me have to pee and they would go through all these tests and, you know, they would gauge my kidneys and how well they were functioning and, you know, to understand like how, how severe my glomerulonephritis was, you know, whether it's getting worse with age or, you know, whether it's staying the same because, you know, like this is something once you have glomerulonephritis, you have it for the rest of your life. Then I get the results back the last time that I went and they're just like, are you sure you have glomerulonephritis? And my mom laughs. She's like, he's had it his entire life. You know just as well as I do that it's a non-curable disease. And they're like, well, you know, based on these ultrasounds, you know, based on all these tests, like there's, there's nothing here. It's like he never had it. Like how does that make sense? How does any of this make sense? You know, how does somebody have a collection of stories like this? You know, and anybody who knows me now, you know, like, I'm fully functioning. Some people might argue, you know, like, might have some issues upstairs, you know, and who doesn't these days? And, you know, we can laugh and joke around about that all we want. Ha ha ha, that's funny. 
You know what I just mean? Like through all these traumatic events, I still got my arms. I still got my legs. You know, I'm completely fine. But why? Why? If you know why, if you have any kind of insight, if you know something that I don't know, if you connected with something that could understand and could tell me from everything from, you know, should have been a paraplegic or quadriplegic multiple times to having an incurable disease that's gone from getting shot and living, from filming my death video in hypothermic conditions and living, you know, to all of these events being trapped underneath a quad, to driving off the road when I'm young and coming on a scale, all these things. If you can tell me why, please. Because I've been racking my brain for all these years to understand, you know, like why? Why me? What is what is the difference? You know, like what am I supposed to be doing that I'm giving these getting these gifts and these opportunities continually? Why? Because I do look at them now as gifts and I do look at them as opportunities and you know, like what am I doing with my life and what am I what am I offering myself? What am I offering the people around me? Like, well, what can I do with this? Because I haven't been gifted this once, I haven't been gifted it twice, I haven't been gifted it three times, I haven't been gifted it with green eggs and ham, I haven't been gifted it four or five or six times. I haven't been gifted this so many times now, like, it feels even absurd talking about it. But again, like, like, what, what is the purpose, why do some of us get these opportunities and why do some people not? This is what I want to know. You know, so this is like my my sobering call to all you guys. Really, like, you know, some bricks of fortitude, like they're outside of your control. You know, but that doesn't mean that those bricks of fortitude are any different. That doesn't mean that those bricks of fortitude aren't just as strong. That doesn't mean that those bricks of fortitude, you know, aren't like granite. It doesn't mean that those bricks can't be polished. It doesn't mean that those bricks can't be placed inside your fortress on your wall. It doesn't mean that they're not a part of your armor. You know, it just means that sometimes we can't explain what those bricks may be. And it just it means that sometimes we just have to, you know, understand that there might be some kind of different purpose that we might need to leverage these moments from. And that's okay. Because maybe sometimes we don't need to explain everything. But what we do need to understand is they are a part of your fortress. They are a part of your wall of fortitude. They are a part of your bricks. They are a part of your foundation. They're all a part of all of this this fortitude that we have in our body, this grit, this willpower, this perseverance to be able to succeed and to understand that, you know, sometimes it is the human spirit of just wanting to excel and perform and, you know, be better and persevere over a situation where all the cards are stacked against you. You know, sometimes it's just taking a minute being like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm here right now and in this moment. How am I ever going to overcome it? And, you know, somehow you connect with something inside you that just allows you to be able to excel and push through. But again, these are the quiet bricks of fortitude. These are the ones that we don't know are just there. But they're like Stonehenge inside of us where it's like they're there. We don't know how they got there. We don't know why they're there. We don't know why they're in the formation that they are. But you know what? They are and they're there. So you know what? And in some of those times when you know like you just don't know. Just know that they're all inside of us. Just know that they're there. Just know that they're thick, they're strong, they're heavy, that you can lean against them, that you can push off against them. 
You know that people can stand on them, that people can jump on them and soak in you because they're thick, they're heavy, and they're there to use. So again, these are those quiet bricks of fortitude. These are the fortitude bricks that they're there. They've been there since the day that you've been born. So leverage them. So use them to your advantage. Thank <laughs> you.